0: Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, we thank you. Father, we give you praise. Thank you for the entrance of of your word this morning. We give light and understanding to every one of us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that we will live here this morning with an awareness, a consciousness of who we are, what you have done, what you have called us, and even the wonderful ways in which our mind works. So we know that we are not victims of life, but we are victors of it. Thank you, Almighty God, that you have given us an ownership mindset. Help us this morning to understand and embrace that which you have done for us. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. Glorify yourself. Edify your people. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Now, today I've brought you a wonderful message. Now, as you all know, I have been teaching a message on the good fight. Today, by the grace of God, I hope to bring that whole good fight series to a completion. But I'm going to be talking about a message I've titled, How to Overcome the Near Success Syndrome. How to Overcome the Near Success Syndrome. Now, as you are aware, in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17, that we have covered for a while, we have looked at how David overcame Goliath. And one of the things that we covered the past couple of weeks was that David, uh, Goliath cursed David by the name of his God, and I said that a cause costless shall never stand, which means the Bible says a cause that has no cause, right shall not alight on the person to whom the cause has been sent, which means if somebody decided to place a curse upon your life. Because you, do, you, have not, you have not done anything to deserve that cause, that cause cannot alight. The other thing is that when a cause is issued by an idol, an idol has no power. Therefore, when a cause is issued by an idol, that cause has no cause, it will not alight. But there was something I said last week about the fact that if a child of God, you have been redeemed from the cause of the law. We know that, we saw that last week. Is it possible for you to experience what looks like a curse upon your life? Or what looks like being g- getting paid for the sins of your parent? A couple of weeks ago, one of my sisters, I call her my sister from another mother, had a birthday. And I was in a group with a group of ladies. And they were sharing something about what happened in some family. And one lady mentioned something about the fact that it, uh, to the tune of around, you know, generational costs move around from one person to the other. And, um, I tr- I, I, you know, that got me thinking a lot around, you know, are we really under a curse. Can, can a curse from the father, what the father had done, pass on to the son, especially if the son is born again, I, particularly if the son is born again, the son is in Christ or the daughter is in Christ, can you experience the failures of your parents? Can you experience the failures of a parent? Can you experience the same thing that your parent experienced? Is it possible? Or is it even legal? Is it legal for that to happen? If it's not legal, is it possible? And therefore, if it is possible, through which construct is it possible? And what can we do about it? Now, remember that when Goliath placed a curse upon David, and he placed a curse by saying... I will give your flesh to the birds of the of the field. He was placing a curse upon David and said, I'm gonna kill you and destroy you and give your flesh to the birds of the of the earth. David refused to keep quiet. David began to boast in the Lord and said, You you come against me with spears, with spear and, and sword and all these things you've come against me against me, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. All right, so David boasted in the in the power of the Lord to overcome Goliath, and then, as the Bible recorded, he took this stone, and you know, uh, slung the um, the stone, you know, against Goliath. The stone hit the forehead of Goliath. Goliath fell down flat, and the rest is history. David killed Goliath. David was able to kill Goliath because David refused to keep quiet. So when the enemy came against David with curses, with fear and trepidation, with the asena of humans, David refused to back down. David opened his mouth to begin to declare that his faith is not based in the, on the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. David began to articulate and share boldly is believe is faith in the power of god so when you two are facing a goliath moment the key lesson to learn is do not keep quiet when the thoughts come to you to make you want to give up to make you think that nothing is going to work in your life do not keep quiet Open your mouth and begin to declare what God has already declared about the situation. If it has to do with money, say, the Lord supplies all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When it comes to your health, say, by the strap of Jesus, I am healed. When it comes to anxiety, say, the Lord has not given me the spirit of fear, but of love, boldness, and a sound mind. Essentially, it is your job, your responsibility to do what—to vocalize what God has said and declared about you when you are going through the challenges of life. Never stop speaking. Do not keep quiet. David opened his mouth to counteract what the words of Goliath, and that's how he became. Uh, uh, he became. Empowered by the Holy Ghost to be able to win, and when he spoke his words, what did he do next? He acted. He ran towards Goliath. Goliath, right? He is. He slung his um, the the stone against the head of Goliath. Goliath fell down flat, and the David ran to him, took the soft took the the sword of Goliath, and cut off his head. All right. So we see a pattern here that when the enemy comes against you like a flood, the Bible says the Spirit of God we raise a standard against them. So when the enemies come against you lack of flawed, the spirit of God, we always raise a standard. What is the standard of the Holy Spirit? It is the standard of the word of God. So you and I must learn when we face situations that seem so overwhelming that we don't see a way out, we must learn to look in the word of God, find the promises of God for the things that we we are facing and begin to open our mouth to speak after you've started declaring the truth of what god has said in that matter do not stop talking let it be that every time the thought comes to your mind the thought or the thought or or the arrows of the enemy to make you to doubt what you have said just keep repeating what you have said say it over and over and over and over never stop talking amen so now let's so let's circle back now to this concept that i want to talk about today about how to overcome near success syndrome okay so This message actually came out on the back of the message I preached last week uh, about the anatomy of a curse. And one of the things I said last week was the fact that as a believer, you are legally beyond the curse. So I want to reiterate that again first before I go into how to overcome the near success syndrome. In Galatians Galatians 3 verse 13, the Bible here says Christ purchased our freedom in the amplified version. And redeemed us from the curse of the law and its condemnation by becoming a curse for us, including generational curses. by the way, for it is written, Curse is everyone who hangs or is crucified on a tree in order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might also come to the Gentiles so that we will all receive the realization of the promise of the Spirit through faith. The Bible here says that Christ redeemed us, purchased our freedom, and redeemed us from the cost of the law. I said this word "redeem" is the word "ezagorazo" to buy away from the marketplace. So we have been bought away from the marketplace that where the cost of the law can ever operate. We have been bought away. We we no longer are in the camp of the enemy. We're no longer in the place where a curse is legally allowed to be placed upon our, our heads. I want to say that over and over, and I hope this is getting into somebody's heart, to never, ever believe that you can ever be under a curse. I'm using the word legally. Legally, you are not allowed. Now, we also look in Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 20, where God himself said, under the old covenant, he said... The soul that sins, it is the same soul that sins that shall die. The son shall not bear and be punished for the iniquity of the father. Neither shall the father bear and be punished for the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him only. And the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon the wicked only. So God is saying to us here. That it is impossible, even on that covenant I said before people used to say, "Oh God is the God who would pass his judgment from the father unto the fourth generation or, or, of, this, of, or, or, of the of 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 the children of those who are a, against him, but God said you should not no no longer even use these um these proverbs again in Israel, and he said in ezekiel chapter eighteen verse twenty that Everybody will stand to bear the burden of his own sin. All right. So now the question now is: If this is true, and it is true, that Christ has redeemed us, He has purchased our freedom. All right, from every cost of the law. The question now is: If this is true, is it is it not a contradictory contradiction? Rather, therefore, that if this Colossians chapter one verse uh, sorry, Galatians chapter three verse thirteen to fourteen is true based on what christ has done for us and ezekiel chapter 18 was 20 under the old covenant he alluded to the same thing if this is true then is it not also true therefore that we should never experience any form of causes in our lives i guess the answer should be true right if it is indeed true if god has said these words and it is true therefore we should not have that experience in our lives okay now I want to show you a scripture in Colossians 1, verse 13 to 14, 1 verse 13 to 14 that actually make, makes this statement very definitive. In the Passion Translation, hear what it says. It says, he is talking about Jesus. He has rescued us completely. Notice that word, completely. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness. And he has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. I want, to, I, want, I want to park there for a moment. The Bible here says, Christ has rescued us completely. From what? From the tyrannical rule of darkness. But not only that, he has translated us into the kingdom, of, into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. So listen to what he did. He rescued us. He took us away from this tyrannical rule of darkness. He took us away from there. And then he placed us in a different kingdom, the kingdom realm of his beloved son. That's exactly what the Bible meant, right? When he said that uh, Christ purchased our freedom. I used the word ezagorazo, which means we have been bought away from the market. So we've been bought away from the market of where the tyrannical rule of darkness can never operate. A cost is of the evil one. Therefore, a cost should not be allowed to operate in your life because you have been what? Rescued completely from there. You have been rescued completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness. And you have been translated into the kingdom realm of God's beloved son. So now, the way to understand it is this. There was a time I used to live in Nigeria. But now I live in the UK. There was a time I was in the kingdom realm of Nigeria. But now I'm in the kingdom realm of of, of the UK. Which means, if you were to look for me in Nigeria, you won't find me there. You cannot find my physical body there, except I go there on holiday, right? But I am here now. I'm in this kingdom now. Therefore, you cannot find me in that kingdom. What God did was to take us from that kingdom realm and place us in this other kingdom realm. Why is that? Verse 14 says, for in the sun, all our sins are canceled. All our sins are canceled. And we have the release of redemption. The release that comes from being bought away. Through his very own blood. We have the release. We have the release of redemption. As far as God is concerned, we are released from every cause of the law. We have been released from every cause of the law. Why? Because that which could cause us to be under a curse has been cancelled. Every sin, whether from our parents, one or from our own, that can ever place us under a curse has been cancelled. How? Through the very blood of Jesus. So now, one of the causes that we found... In the book of Deuteronomy, which is part of the curse of the law, is in Deuteronomy chapter twenty-eight, verse twenty-nine. I chose this particular verse because it alluded to the key message about how to, um, how, to how to overcome near success syndrome. In Deuteronomy chapter twenty-eight, verse twenty-nine, the Bible says, "At midday, this is one of the curses of the law. At midday, you will grope about like a blind person in the dark. You will be unsuccessful in everything you do." Day after day, you'll be oppressed and robbed, with no one to rescue you. Now, listen to this. This was a curse that was placed upon Israel by God Himself. Now, remember, I said last week, God is the only one who has the right and the ability and the power to place a curse on somebody else, right? So, this curse was placed on the Israelite. It's not. This curse was not even placed on the Gentiles. This curse was placed on the Israelite for their disobedience. If they disobey God, this is what's going to happen to them. Now, remember, how read the Old Covenant. The old covenant is a covenant that says if you do this, then God will do this. The new covenant is a covenant that says because Christ has done this, you will have this. I will say that again. The old covenant, the covenant that Moses broke is a covenant that is based on performance. If you do this, then you are going to get this. If you do this, then God is going to do this. If you don't do this, then this is going to happen. It's cost and effect. That's under the old covenant. In the new covenant... God changed the game. God said, because Christ has done this, you can have this. You will have this. Because Christ has done this, this is now yours. Because Christ has done X, Y, and Z, you have access to everything. You don't need to work for them. You need to believe for them. I hope you understand that. So now, because we're under the new covenant, this curse is reversed. This curse of Being unsuccessful in everything that the person does is reversed. Why? Because the Bible says that, Galatians 3.13, Christ became a cause for us so that the blessing of Abraham can be ours. Christ took the place that we ought to take so that the blessing can be ours. Now, in John chapter 14, verses 16 to 17, I shared that last week. Jesus Christ said, I will give you another savior. I'll give you another savior that is like me. There was the word, another Savior, the word, the Holy Spirit of truth in John chapter 14, verse 16 to 17 is a word from the Greek that means parakleta. Last week, I explained parakleta means a redeemer who hands the curse. The redeemer who hands the curse has come into our lives. How do I know that? Romans eight eleven says, God raised Jesus to life. And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you it will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. Now, there are a couple of texts there that are underlined or that are in different in, in different color. Number one, God's spirit of resurrection lives in you. The spirit lives in you. The Bible essentially saying to you, the spirit of God lives in you. How do you live in a place? You have a home there. You have a homestead there. They can find you there. The spirit can be found in every believer. The Bible also says the spirit breathes life into you. Not only is the spirit living on the inside of you, the spirit himself breathes life, the God kind of life into you. Question. Does the God kind of life include a cost? Is the God life cost? The answer is absolutely no. So, if the God life is not cursed, and the Spirit is breathing the God life into you, you can be rest assured that the Spirit is breathing, what? Blessing into your life, not curses. The Spirit is breathing blessing into your life, not curses. So, the Spirit of God, who lives on the inside of you, is the Spirit that brings, what? The blessing. And it's the same Spirit that has ended the curse. So, when you take Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 19, you can rewrite this portion of uh, courses in in a new way you can rewrite it because the course has been reversed you can rewrite it now to say instead of saying let's go back to what the course said the course said um the because said at midday you will grope about like a blind person in the dark so at midday during the day <laughs> the person is groping like like a blind person like 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 a blind person in the dark. The person is unsuccessful in everything that the person does. Day after day, the person is oppressed and robbed with no one to rescue the person. That's what the cause said. That's what was the cause that was placed upon the children of Israel if they do- disobey God. Remember, under the Old Covenant, the Old Covenant is, if you do this, you are going to get this. In the New Covenant, it is, this is reversed because you now have the Spirit of God who has reversed the cause, who heads the cause, who lives on the inside of you. So you can change that scripture to, to say, daily, you will have clarity. In order you do. Because God's spirit illuminates you. You will prosper and be successful in everything you do. You are victorious over every challenge of life. So this affirmation, this uh, curse, as it has been reversed this way, you can turn it into an affirmation. So I have an affirmation on the screen that I want you to repeat after me. Say with me, every day and in every way, I have clarity in all that I do. I know what to do. Because God's Spirit illuminates me, I decree that I prosper and I succeed in everything that I do. Hallelujah. Say, I am victorious over every challenge of life in the name of Jesus. So, in light of the new uh, creation reality, in light of the fact that we are now under the new covenant, you can take all of the curses listed in Deuteronomy chapter 28, actually. You can rewrite them into blessings for you and make that your affirmation because why you are the redeemed of the lord so now let's go into the question that we want to address today over the next 25 minutes the first question is is it possible for a believer to express the same failure pattern of his parent and if yes does that mean such a believer is under a generational curse number two what causes us to repeat the mistakes of our parents number three what can we do about this failure, the failure pattern that I call the near success syndrome? So, let's try to answer the question. Now, the first question that talks about, can a believer experience the same failure pattern of experience? The answer is yes. Now, remember, remember, we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. So, legally, legally, we are not meant to have what we call generational curse. We're not meant to have it. It's not meant to operate in our lives at all. Right, But can we repeat the failure patterns of our parent? Yes, we can. How is that possible? Is that a contradiction? No. It's not a contradiction. And I will explain it. The reason why we can repeat the failure patterns of our parent is based on how God has gone about achieving the purpose of salvation. You see, human beings are made up of three parts. Spirit, soul, and body. God saved us in the spirit. The Bible says, He that is in Christ Jesus is one spirit with him. He that is in Christ Jesus is one spirit in him with him. Second Corinthians 5, verse 17 says that we are new creation in Christ Jesus. The whole things are passed away, behold, all things have become new. So in Christ, we are new one, new creation we're a new creation in christ but that new creation that is we have in christ when we became born again god saved us in our spirit we are made up of spirit soul and body the spirit is is the one that is the real you the soul is the realm of the mind and the body obviously is the physical body that we can see and touch this is where you collect the five senses physical five senses from the sense of torture and smell and so on and so forth they come from the physical senses but in our soulish realm, that's where the mind is. That's where you have the intellect and the reason and consciousness is in our mind. The spirit is where God, the real us, that God created Adam and Eve from, originally, came from. Okay? So when you became born again, because when Adam sinned and got cut off from God, Adam got cut off from God in the spirit. It, it wasn't; His spirit was no longer alive to, to perceive what God is saying and what God is doing. So now God had to restore Adam back in the spirit. So when we became born again. We were reconnected in the spirit back to God. So God now speaks to us through the spirit. And that's the reason why when the Bible says that the word of God is a sword of the spirit, it means that when you are reading the word of God, it is communicating the frequency of the spirit to you. So if you, you find yourself in a situation where you don't know what to do, find the word of God for it. And begin to read it. As you begin to read the word of God, the promises of God in that area, that word of God that you are reading is actually communicating right there to your spirit. Essentially, there's an exchange between your spirit and the spirit that is in the word of God. So, there is a spirit behind the word of God, which is the spirit of God. There is a spirit on the inside of you, which is the spirit of God. So, when you read the word of God, there is a communication. That's the reason why the word of God is very effective. You know, when you begin to read the Word of God, it is actually communicating with the real you in the Spirit. All right, cool. So, God saved us in the Spirit. And God is always trying to communicate to us through that Spirit. But the challenge is, the Spirit has to go through the mind because you have Spirit, soul, and body. I believe we... I used to have a picture that I did before that shows uh, the the, the three rings of the Spirit, soul, and body. My team might be able to put it up if if they have the picture. But the key thing to know is, you have the Spirit... You have the soul in the middle. You have the body. So God is trying to communicate to you through the spirit to get you to, to, to get it through your mind, to get into your body. But the thing is the medium there is the mind. The mind is the medium. The soul is the medium that takes information from the spirit and passes it to the body. It's also the one that collects information from the body and passes it to the spirit. You see what I mean? Now, the challenge here, therefore, is you are 100% perfect in your spirit. But your mind is not saved yet. Your mind is not saved yet. Your body is not saved yet. God saved you in the spirit. Now, but God wants you, in order for you to have a change in your body or in the realm of the physical, you have to, the the news that God is passing from the spirit has to pass through the mind, and the mind has to communicate that to the body so that the body can take the right kind of action to get the right kind of result. This is the reason why mind renewer is so important. In my, in my personal belief, and according to what the Bible says, mind renewer is the one thing that the believer must continue to do to be able to experience the finished work of Jesus Christ. As it pertains to God, everything is already done. When Jesus has on God, the Quran and said it is finished, as far as God is concerned, our salvation in the realm of the spirit is complete. But our salvation in the mind is an ongoing process as we renew our minds. What do you mean by renew the mind? It means when we are faced with a situation, we have to check that situation against what the word of God says. Remember, the word of God is a spirit, is a sword of the spirit. The word of God communicates at the same frequency as your spirit. So when you are exchanging what you are hearing from the outside world that goes through your mind, when you exchange that against the spirit of the the sword of the spirit or the spirit that is in the word of God or based on the word of God, you exchange that what will happen is that that exchange will cause your mind to be transformed i'm going to get that in a moment towards the end how you can begin to how you can overcome the success syndrome all right but one of this one sort of go around circle talking about yeah you know the the, the, the makeup of man spirit, soul and body because i can't talk about it too much here you just to say one thing one thing clearly in your spirit you are 100 like god in your mind Your mind needs to be renewed. Your body obviously is a physical part of you. So it is in your mind that what I want to talk about now happens. This is the reason why, even though you are born again, a curse is not allowed to operate in your life legally. You can experience the, the, the the, the impact of, you can repeat the mistakes of your parent because of the programming of the mind. So there are three ways in which we can end up repeating the mistakes of the past or mistakes of our parents, even though we may not want to do that, even though we're already born again. There are three ways. I call them subliminal programming. Number one, programming through the verbal verbal programming. Number two, modeling. Number three, uh, interpretation or meaning that we allude to specific events. So when we talk about verbal programming, we're talking about what did you hear when you were growing up? Modeling, what did you see when you were growing up? Specific event, what did you experience when you were growing up? So over the next 20 minutes, I want to step through these subliminal programming types and use it as an example to explain how if you, don't, if you understand how this programming works and how it affects the choices you make, you can then be able to overcome anything called near success syndrome. If you find yourself trying to repeat the, the, the faults of your parents, what your parents have done in the past, and you say, ah, how come this happened to my daddy? How come it's about to happen to me too? You can go back to this thing I've shared now, I'm about to share now, to see whether this is happening, this is, this is why this is happening in your life. And if you know it, based on what I'm going to share towards the end, you will then begin to see what you can do about it. Remember in Christ, you are legally not allowed to be afflicted, by any form of curses at all why because god has said you cannot inherit the sin of your parent so in christ jesus christ in christ jesus your sins are forgiven you are you stand before god righteous and holy without a single fault how that makes sense now let's look at. i want to start first with modeling actually with modeling. now what does modeling refer to Modeling essentially is a process by which we observe and watch people They are in authority over our lives and we copy the way they behave so a child when a child is still growing up a child will look at is our parent and copy the way the parent speaks the parent walks. why because that person is is a person of authority in that child's life and that child is close to that person that child possibly adores that person and that child copies the behavior it doesn't mean the person's behavior is correct the child just copies that because that's what the child knows. I hope, that, I hope you understand that. Now, we see this, and I can't go into the text. In, you can write this down. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 10 to 20, and Genesis chapter 26, verse 1 to 11, we see something happen between Abraham and Isaac. Abraham is the father of Isaac. Isaac is a child of promise. But something happened in the time of Abraham. Abraham, there was a fam- family in the land. Abraham went to Abimelech of Gera. The Bible essentially also says that in the time when Isaac was also grown up, all right, there was another famine, different from the famine that happened during the time of Abraham. Where did Isaac go to? Isaac went to Abimelech of Gerar. Now, but something happened. When Abraham was going to Abimelech, Abraham told the wife Sarah and said to, uh, to, 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 say to Sarah that, Look, Sarah, when we get into this, this, this place, tell them that you are my sister and you are not my wife. The same thing happened to Isaac. Isaac, when he was going to the same place, same Gera same place, he, he told Rebecca, his wife, and said, "Rebecca, look, when we get in there, do not tell them I am your husband. Tell them I'm your brother. Tell them you're my sister." So, when faced with the two with the same situation, famine in the land, Abraham and Isaac behaved the same way. So, but why? Why? That's why I'm talking about modeling. Modeling is. When we look at the behaviors of our parents, especially when we're young, before we get to the age of reason, we look at the behavior of our parents and we subconsciously model that. Some of us even don't like what our parents have done. You might have a parent who is alcoholic. You don't really like it. But because you don't really like it, you are angry about it. The anger you have about it as well can either push you to behave like them or to not behave like them okay but the key thing is modeling is one way in which we copy behaviors of our parents and we act that out but it happens at a subconscious level so now let me talk about going back to this conversation about the mind so that you can understand it the mind which is the realm where transformation happens remember the spirit is perfect the body is will will keep growing older and older but the mind is where transformation happens you want to have a transformation transformation in your life you have to have that transformation coming from your mind but that mind is primarily made up of two levels you have subconscious mind subconscious mind consider it like this if you if you see i've said a picture before where they try to describe conscious mind using uh the tip of an iceberg that when you see an iceberg on the sea The tip is just the little bit that is there. The bulk of the iceberg is actually buried in the sea. Your conscious mind is like that. Your conscious mind is at the top, the tip of the iceberg. The bit that really controls your life is subconscious mind. So your conscious mind is is a bit bit that pulls information from outside outside world and processes them. You know, try to understand them. When somebody, uh, when you read something on the on the on the on the world, you read and you understand it. You process those information, right? That is your conscious mind conscious is aware the mind that is aware looking at everything and collecting information but the subconscious is a bit that is at the bottom that even when you are asleep is not taking information that you have heard that you have seen and then putting meaning to them arranging them in a way so that you can reuse them next time so that when next time you see that image you don't have to start saying what did i what did i do there Because that's been stored in your your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind automatically brings it up for you so that you can do what you have to do. So your subconscious mind actually collects all information and never loses anything. And it it, it applies meaning to them based on past experiences and so on and so forth. So when you see a child who sees a parent who, for example, is alcoholic. And when they were growing up, that's all the person sees the father does. The father, the child subconsciously sees that that is the way to behave, right? And that thing goes into the subconscious mind of that child. And that child, when the child faces a problem, let's say the child gets laid off for whatever reason. The child sees the way the father behaved, the, the, the mood that the father behaved. The father usually will hit the bottle, right? When, when, he, when he has stress the child does what the child does that the same way because when the child was growing up the child has seen that that's the way the father behaved that's the way the father modeled life and the child has believed that is the way to model life because the child was a young child right and that child has put a meaning to that to say when you when you are stressed hit the bottle. all right that is the meaning that the child alludes to that behavior because the child was young the child was a young child and therefore in the subconscious mind of that child that image has been implanted it has become a belief system So, because i believe could become a belief system now when the child grows up and yet the, the child faces the same challenge that the father faced the child would behave the same way but not because the child wants to behave the same way but it's because. The subconscious mind has believed that that is the way to behave, and because that's what that's what is subconscious mind believes, then that is what is going to automatically come out. Why? Because the subconscious mind is the seat of autopilot information. Autopilot means you do something automatically without you knowing it. For example, if you have ever moved to a new house from an old house, you will notice that the first couple of weeks, when you're coming back from work, you might subconsciously drive to your old house. Why? Because over a period of time, your subconscious mind has mapped the route that you used to take to go to work and knows how you can get there so that you can actually drive without being conscious and you get to your house. Because the subconscious mind has been fed that information. It has managed to you know um i it in, in 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 itself to understand the way the route works and things to look out from things not to look out things to pay attention to and therefore automatically it can take you to 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 get to your home without you having putting without you putting a lot of effort all right so that's the way modeling works all right now i have a story here i have a story here that will help us to understand the power of modeling a husband and his wife were in the kitchen the husband was sitting at the kitchen table reading reading the newspaper while his wife was preparing a ham for dinner, the husband watched the wife cut off about one inch from either end of the ham. He asked why she cut the end off, proclaiming, that's a waste of good harm. She said, that's the way my mom prepared the ham. The husband asked, why did your mom cut the ends off? The wife did not know. Later, the wife called her mom to find out why she cut off the ends of the ham off. Her mom said, because that was the way my mom prepared the ham. The wife's grandma passed away several years earlier, but her grandpa was still living. She called her grandpa and asked, "Grandpa, why did grandma cut the hand of the, of the cut the hand off of the harm? He was silent as he thought a moment, then he replied, "So the harm could fit in in the baking pan." So you can see the 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 the, the narration there now. Grandma, uh, mother, sees. <laughs> Wife sees mother behaves in a particular way. Mother sees grandma behaves in a particular way. They did not even know the reason why the behavior was done. Nobody has ever bothered to ask the reason why, and they just molded that behavior through life. So that is how modeling works. So if you have been a uh, 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 someone who has modeled bad behavior from your parent, that can change today because I'm going to show you why. the next 10 minutes that that can change today because you can see because once you have conscious awareness that oh this behavior that i am behaving this is how my father behaved then you can change it you can say you can reprogram what your mind remember is the soul. The soul is where the answer is. The soul has to be programmed in order for it to first be transformed. Romans 12 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, be ye transformed by the renew of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be ye not conformed, but be transformed. How? By renewing your mind. To renew your mind means you reprogram your mind based on what Christ has done. Let's look at another way in which we get programmed verbal programming. Verbal programming essentially is about what you've heard growing up. Now, let's do, let's take an example in the area of finances to, to buttress this point. For example, have you ever heard things like, money is the root of all evil? Or, you've heard things like, that lady is filthy rich. Or, your parents have said things like, that is not for people like us. I mean, I'm just use, using these three, exam, three three statements, for example. If you say, if you've had money is the root of all evil. When you're growing up, money is, money is the root of all evil. Money is the root of all evil. What will happen is this. You don't want evil in your life. You don't want to be associated with evil. But if you believe that money is root of all, money is the root of all evil, what will happen, therefore, is this. You don't want a part of that. So you might be hardworking, trying to make money. You are doing all the things. But just before you break through, but before you got into your success, you, your mind sabotages it. Sabotage is why because you have believed that money is a root of all evil. So, based on that verbal programming of the past, you find out that you get you run into failure not because God is holding anything away from you, but because in your programming, you have believed a lie. You said money is a root of all evil. What if you believe that that lady is filthy rich? Somebody is filthy rich now when you i don't know why somebody would put filthy and rich together when you use what feel the rich what happens is this: you start to think of money is actually filthy now you don't want anything that is filthy so you start to work you start to want to make money consciously you want to make money subconsciously you believe that money is filthy there's a contradiction then you sabotage yourself i hope you, you see you see the pattern now all right let's say for example you also believe that this is not for people like us so you, you go into um, a nice place you want to buy a nice house you like it Consciously, you like it. But at a subconscious level, because you have been programmed from a young age that says, this is not for people like us, what will happen? You reject it. So God is trying to flow blessing into your life, but your mind is rejecting the blessing. Why? Because of the verbal programming of the past. I don't know if, if that's making sense to you. So when you grow up with phrases like this, you have been verbally programmed to fail. You repeat the failure of your parent because you have thought that that obviously you are behaving like your parent because you have been programmed by what they've said finally let's say you have an incident you can also be programmed by specific incidents that has happened in your life in the past so the meaning you associate with that specific event that has happened to you in the past will determine whether how you're going to react in the future suppose you're part of a family maybe when you are 10 years old or 11 years old you, your parents had an, had an altercation to the point where your father beats your mother regularly you can grow up in life based on that specific event and say it to yourself if you're a female you can say to yourself when I grow up I will never allow any man to beat me and then you can go into marriage you are born again quite alright but you become what? counter when, when you have a small argument with your, with your husband you do not want what has happened to your mother to repeat itself in your life so you become very quote-unquote violent but the converse is also true you can also say oh because mom mom is always getting beaten. <laughs> mom didn't stand up for herself and when i go into marriage i'm not going to stand for myself i'm not going to set up boundaries and then that is repeating itself in your life you're not enjoying your marriage because you're not enjoying the things that you should be enjoying but because of the programming of the past you accept that The same thing could be true for a man you could see your dad obviously beat up your beat up your your mama and you you, you you could believe oh that's the way to treat a woman and therefore when you get married you treat you treat women like trash which is not okay all right or you could be a man you could say okay i will never do that to my to my uh, to my to my wife and you go in the other direction so this specific event therefore that has happened that has been programmed into your life that has made you to see life in a particular way based on the meaning you alluded to the events that have happened will follow you until you become until, into the future. Now, even though you are born again, remember, you're born again, you're, meant, you're not meant to experience those things, but because your mind has not been renewed to the reality of what you have in Jesus, then you begin to experience these things that God has already totally, totally, totally delivered you from. So, the modeling of the past, the verbal programming of the past, specific event that we put certain kind of meaning to, can make us to experience outcomes in life that look like the same outcome that our parents have have experienced or that can make us to have what we call near success syndrome you are close to success but because of the programming of the past you sabotage it but this is not something that you are doing consciously you don't want what is happening but it is happening at the subconscious level so how do we solve this problem i want to talk to you about something called the placebo and the nocebo effect the placebo effect goes this way that says there was an experiment that was done where people were given ordinary chalk and were told this chalk is medicine and it can cure a sickness and they took it and they had exactly the same type of healing like the people that took the original um, medicine that I was actually created to treat that sickness so the placebo effect therefore is the ability of the mind to expect good to happen and therefore experience such the nocebo effect is the opposite. is the ability of the mind to expect worst thing to happen, and then it happens again. Another experiment was done where, they, where they, they were they were told when when we touch you with this with this thing, it it will cause burning in your body. But the thing was nothing. It was just an ordinary ordinary metal, and the metal was touched used to place on the body, and because the people that have been told that thing has accepted it and expected burning to happen, burning actually happened in the body. So, nocebo effect is the expectation that bad things will happen or negative influence will happen when something that is even like a dummy is given to you, but you believe it's going to happen and therefore it happens. So, nocebo effect is the opposite of placebo effect. Why do I have to say that? Because I want to tell you something about How to solve the problem. Because in order to solve this near success syndrome, you need to understand the power of expectation. The fact that when your mind expects evil, evil shows up. When your mind expects good, good shows up. Why? Because God has placed the power in your hand. So, what do you do when you have this thing? How do you ensure you do not not repeat the mistakes of your parents? Or how do you ensure you do not fall into this near success syndrome? Number one. Do an inventory of the areas where you need a change. Areas where the result you are getting is not serving you well. How do you know these areas? Well, you will know these areas based on the result you are getting in that area. For example, if you find that you are always getting angry, snapping at your wife, becoming violent in the house, ask yourself the question. I don't like what I'm seeing here. I don't like beating my wife or I don't like being violent with my wife. Or you might be a wife. You might say, you know, why am I always, you know, shutting my, shouting my husband down? I don't like doing that. Or you might be a student. You might say, oh, um, why do I like, like to just, you know, uh, uh, you know, be lazy all the time? You say, I don't like doing that. So do an inventory of the areas where you need a change. Do an inventory. Because if you don't know what needs to change, how could you change? Or how could you implement a change? Or how could you track the change that you are making in that area? Then ask yourself the question, this thing that I'm seeing in my life I don't like. What have I believed about the area? About this thing? What, what have I believed about this thing? And why did I believe it? Oh, and I believe it because now that you know, because oh, this is what my father said when he was when I was young. Or my believe because, oh, this is what has happened to me, and this is because this has happened to me many times. I have chosen to believe that this always happens to me. I always, possibly, possibly you can say, oh, I always get the wrong, wrong end of the stick. Why did you believe that? Because it has happened to you over and over and over again. Okay, now, how do you know what you have believed about a thing? Well, it is the way that thing makes you feel. If you ask the question, why did I believe? Why, why you know, what have I believed about the way to treat a woman, for example? The way you feel when you answer that question. If that way you feel is fear-based, and it's, it's, it builds a sense of attachment to you where you feel if you let go, you will lose yourself. That thing is a stronghold. You have believed a lie and it has become a stronghold. And it's okay because now you know, right? Because you know, you can change it. Now, what do you do? You then do? You need to expose the reasons you, you, you have come up with. The reason why you believe what you believe and why you do what you do. You take that reason and say, let us let me take this reason and play it against the reality of the word of God. Essentially, I'm talking about the finished work of Jesus Christ. You bring it against and say, What does how does this thing, this is what I have believed, how does this stand up against what Christ has done? Second Corinthians, Corinthians 10 verse 4 to 5. In the NIV says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish what? Strongholds. So remember I talked about strongholding in the previous um, point the fact that what you have believed and why you have believe what you have believed the way it makes you feel if it's fear based and, and you have a sense of attachment to it that you cannot let go or, or else you will lose yourself that is a stronghold. The Bible says the way we demolish strongholds is what is through demolishing argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Which if God is saying the way you demolish that is to say when I take this stronghold and i apply it against the truth, the reality of what Christ has done, they won't stack up. If they won't stack up I, would, I have to say I I refuse to accept you. I refuse for you to be a part of my life. I choose to let you go. So that's that's how you do that. Now, when you have done that, when you have done the assessment, you know, a comparison between what you now believe, what you believe you believe, and against what the word of God says, the difference between the two, write it down. Write it down, because that will give you a revelation of the truth now. Now you know, according to the word of God, taking the example of woman bitter, for example, right? you take the example of that. I say, God says to trick my wife as of the weaker vessel so that my prayer will not be ended. God says I should love my wife the way Christ loved the church. If I love my wife as Christ loved the church, I will not be beating her up. I will not be talking to her anyhow. You see what I mean? So when you take the truth of what the word of God reveals, remember I said to you, the word of God is the sword of the spirit. When I take the word of God, based on what the word of God says, based on the finished work of Jesus Christ, based on what he says, based of view, what I have believed, which is not a lie. I will see that there is a mismatch, that the word of God tells me to do something different. Okay? Now, this is how you now change. Now, one should know what the word of God says you should do. You know what you should do? Embed this change now through three things. Affirmations, visualization, and acting right. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, the Lord said to Joshua, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous and be successful. God says to Joshua, keep the word of God on your lips. Meditate the word of God and act according to what the word of God says. So in the example that I've given out just about this person who, who is violent to the wife, what do you do? You go into the word that says, man, love your wife as yourself. Love your wife. Ask no. Love your wife as yourself. Love your wife as Christ loved the church, beautifying it, making the church beautiful to present the church to Himself a beautiful bride. That's what God is doing to the church. Now, what do you do? Affirmation. You sit down and say, Father, I thank you that I'm a wonderful man, that I'm a child of God, that I'm a child of God, and I treat my wife well. I beautify my wife by the words that I speak. I beautify my wife by the words that I speak. I love my wife. the, the same way Christ loved the church. Now, a, a point of warning. When you are doing this for the very first time or the first, first few sessions, the devil is going to come and ram your mind. He will tell you, how can you say you love your wife? How can you say you treat your wife well when you just shouted at her yesterday? do not allow that to faze you at all because remember change takes time so begin to do this affirmation over i'm a, i'm a wonderful child of god i love my wife i beautify my wife you know you go into that book i think this example i'm giving is from Ephesians, i believe chapter six that's where that's where this thing is you go in there and you begin to read what god says here so the bible here says um let me just bring it for you so that you can see it uh okay so the bible says men so, a-f- a-f- 5 verse 28 so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies either love it his wife love it himself okay all right so the bible says husband verse 25 husband love your wife even as christ loved the church and gave himself for it that you might sanctify make her holy and cleanse it make her beautiful with the washing of water by the wall that he might present it to the, himself a glorious judge not have a spot or wrinkle or any such thing but i should be holy and without blemish so you now not take this thing and say you are you are making this affirmation to be Really, in your life, you're saying, Father, I thank you, Almighty God, that I love my wife as Christ loved the church. Thank you for helping me to love her. Thank you, Almighty, God, for helping me to be one who sacrifices for my family. Lord, I thank you for for this that you are doing for me in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you, Almighty God, that I use my manner to sanctify my wife. I declare my wife beautiful, wonderful, excellent. She's a wonderful woman. She's going to be excellently b- blessed in this life. What are you doing? You are beautifying your wife with your words. You are doing that. All right? So as you go there, you say, my wife has no wrinkle. My wife has no spot. She has no fault. She's a wonderful woman. She's getting better. We're all growing together. Father, I thank you. Now, as you are doing this, the next level is visualization. So when you are saying what your wife should be, you know, she's not there like that yet. It might be that your wife is counter I understand that. She might be troublemaker. I understand that. But God did not say, because she's a troublemaker, you should be cursing her. God said you should bless her still. So, you start to call her who she could be. You start to call yourself to what you could be. You are no longer a woman bitter, a violent man. You are now a wonderful son of God, a wonderful child of God. You begin to say that over and over. So, you do this affirmation based on the word of God. Now, the next step is visualization. Mm-hmm. You now visualize yourself. You start to see yourself in your mind's eye, having a wonderful, harmonious relationship with your wife, having a wonderful home where the children are not afraid of you, having a, a, a wonderful home where your wife, you guys can sit together and watch TV together and you can run around in the garden and play together and just love each other. You begin to visualize that. Again, the enemy is going to attack your mind because as you are trying to do this thing, you haven't done it before. It's, the enemy is going to start to tell you, oh, this is not going to work. You're just lying to yourself. Don't allow that to phase you. Just begin to visualize. Keep visualizing. Let your imagine, imagination go wild to see the kind of relationship that you should have, the kind of relationship that you want to have in your family. Remember, God calls those things that be not as though they were. So you are calling those things that be not as though they were, but imagine them to be as it, as they are right now, as as, as they could be. You imagine, imagine them as, as if they are, are right now in your life. So allow your imagination to go to work. Begin to see yourself. When you say your wife is without spot or wrinkle, see her in beautiful apparel see her in beautiful uh ways. see her looking nice wonderful see her being respected at work paint this picture on your mind as you vocalize continually now as you do this what will happen is this because you are vocalizing the, tr- the new truth because you are imagining the new truth guess what's going to happen you are feeding your subconscious mind, which is your heart now, with new images. Whereas you have the image of anger and violence before, you are now replacing that with what? The image of a peaceful man, a gentle man, a courageous man. What would then happen is automatically, after a while, it's not, it's not going to be automatic, by the way, after a while, you are going to be able to act right. Right acting, always comes from right believing. But right believing does not happen immediately. It comes from what? Right um right repetition, all right, of the truth that you have said to yourself over and over and over again. Remember the same way as a child, you model behavior from your parents based on verbal programming, what they have said that you did never contested. The same way as you repeat the truth of the word of God to yourself over and over and over and over again, what will happen is that it will form a new belief system in you. When it forms a new belief system in you, what will happen? Your imagination too will be able to, choose, will be will be seeing new things. Your words will be seeing new things. And what will happen is automatically, after a while, it will change the way you behave. And when you start to act differently to your wife, then the dynamics of the family will change. This is how you overcome near success syndrome. You can, I use the example of family today, but you can apply this to anything. It might be your work, it might be your career, it might be your vision, your dream, it might be the way you raise up your children, it might be even the way you relate to your own parents. In any area, you can use this approach, this pattern, and the Lord will help you. uh, or or as you get results in jesus name remember repeat this experience as until it becomes a habit for you so as you move towards your goal and as you suddenly see the disruptive patterns of your parents show up in your life remember that you don't have to succumb it is a leftover of your old life and you need to reprogram your mind with the reality of what Christ has already done. And allow that reality to empower you to act right and to make the right choices. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for your children. I ask Almighty God that this message, Almighty God, we encourage somebody today to know, O oh God, that they can overcome addictions of the past. That because why? They are not a new creation. You do not see them like that anymore. Help them to see themselves the way you see them. Help us, all of us, to see ourselves the way you see us in the name of Jesus Christ. And help us, Almighty God, to vocalize the truth. To visualize the truth to act like the truth in the name of jesus christ thank you for victory for every family that may be going to one challenge or the other or everyone here that has one challenge or the other they're going to that seem like a stronghold i thank you almighty god that as they pull down this stronghold and bring the stronghold to the obedience of christ they will see results that will cause a change and a transformation in their lives father we thank you for this Our lord we give you praise thank you that we are victors and we're not victims lord we give you praise and we thank you In Jesus' name, we pray. Hallelujah. Until next time, remember, you're blessed and highly favored.